Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Good morning. My name is Sarah, like Don mentioned, and I'm part of the teaching team here at Movement Church. And we are starting this series today called How to Ruin a Dinner Party, which some of you are maybe thinking you don't need any help with that because you already know how to ruin dinner parties. Maybe you're terrible at cooking or maybe you're just very socially awkward. And if so, we're so glad that you're here. Um, But what we're going to do over the next month is talk about four different topics that we traditionally probably don't talk about. Um, Maybe, honestly, maybe you've never been to a dinner party, uh, but maybe, you know, think about like sitting around with your family at Thanksgiving. There are probably some things that you just know we don't talk about these things. Um, There are probably, you probably have certain friends that you know, like we talk about these topics, but we definitely don't talk about these things over here unless we want the evening to end with everybody yelling and someone being slapped in the face. So we know what those topics are, right? We know that they probably have something to do with political leanings. We know that they probably, for some of us, have something to do with faith or religion or however you want to couch that or phrase it. But we've got these topics that there are just certain people that we think it's it's best if I don't bring these things up. And the problem with that is, as we've already mentioned this morning, being a follower of Jesus is supposed to touch every area of our lives. Um, I read a quote this week by a pastor theologian, his name is Brian Zond, and he was um, responding to a question that someone asked him and his response was, you know, it's, it's easy today, especially in our country and in our culture, it's easy to say that oh, I'm a Christian. Now, some of you are rolling your eyes going like, it's not easy because when I say I'm a Christian, people treat me like I'm an idiot. Okay, but no one's trying to kill you, right, is my point. It's easy today to claim I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe Jesus lived and he died and he came back to life. And when I die, I'm gonna go to heaven. Woohoo! Like, it's, it's easy to claim that. But it's not easy to live in a way that is thoroughly Christian. It's easy for me to say that I'm a Christian, but it is much harder to live in a way that is thoroughly Christian, in a way that touches every area of my life. And I resonate with that because I, I, you know, I absolutely, I want to be identified as a Christ follower. That's a very, I mean, hopefully you're sitting here thinking like, well, yeah, I mean, you're standing up here in church. So hopefully you want to be identified as a Christ follower. But there are parts of my life that if I'm being real with you, living in a thoroughly Christian way is something that's really hard. And sometimes honestly, just something that I'm not even really all that interested in thinking about. What does it look like for me to live in a thoroughly Christian way when Jesus says to love my enemies and my enemies are actually like right up in my face and I think like, you're super annoying and I don't wanna love you. I wanna tell you off and then gossip about you behind your back. Like, that's what I wanna do. I don't wanna live in a thoroughly Christian way when push comes to shove in these certain areas of my life. And yet, that's the task in front of us. Are we going to be people who simply claim to be Christian? Or will we be people who say, I want to take this seriously enough that I want to live in a way that is thoroughly Christian in every area, 
in big areas and in small areas, in areas that feel easy to me and in areas that are very, very difficult, in areas that I agree with my friends on and in areas that I disagree with my friends on. I want to seek Christ in the midst of all of it. And so our goal this month is to stop thinking like people who lean to the left or who lean to the right, but our goal this month is to be people who live in this radical middle because that's what Jesus did. Jesus looked at the issues and he said, how do we think about these things as citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Because if we are Christ followers, that is who we are above all else. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And so that's, that's where we're going this month. And as you can maybe tell, I'm pretty excited about it. I think we've got four really great topics lined up for the month of October. And we're gonna begin this week by talking about caring for creation. So maybe you're thinking like, okay, so like reduce, reuse, recycle, like we get it. Okay, so this is gonna be a short message, but that's it. There you go, do it, do that. And then we'll all be good. We wanna talk this week about why should that matter to us? Because you're, you know, very few of you are in elementary school anymore. So I know that you have already gotten this lesson from your elementary school teachers. And yet there is a connection to who our God is and what he has called us to do. We wanna understand from a biblical perspective, why should this matter to us? If I'm going to be thoroughly Christian, why should this matter to us? We're gonna look at three different passages this morning. Before we jump in, I just want to begin by asking the Lord to speak today, and then, then we'll go ahead and we'll get into scripture. Father, I thank you that you are so patient with us that as you have called us to live these thoroughly Christian lives, you know that it takes us time. It takes us time to be convinced that it's important to do that in certain areas of our lives. It takes us time to get over ourselves and our own pride and our own arrogance and our own way of seeing things to be willing to ask you to lead us and to guide us. I thank you that you're patient that you're patient with us in this process. And also, God, we want to acknowledge this morning that you have things to say about the way that we live our lives. And some of those things make us uncomfortable. And so, God, we're asking today, um, as we will for the rest of this month, we're asking today that you would help us to set our own preconceived ideas aside and simply listen to you. So God, anything that's not from you, any word that is not from you, I ask would just fall on deaf ears, but I ask, Lord, that your truth would remain with us, that you would allow us to see who you are and what you have to say to us through your word today, and that we would become transformed people, people who, not, who do not just simply claim to be Christian, but who are seeking to be thoroughly Christian in every area of our lives. Thank you for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to start in Genesis chapter one. Um, seems like a good place to start for, you know, most things. And that's on page one, if you're using a Bible in the chair, uh, on the chair that you're sitting on, or probably also in your own Bible, it's on page one because it's the first chapter in the Bible. Okay, so Genesis chapter one is where we're going to start. I'll tell you that this whole idea of creation care is not something that comes naturally to me. 
Um, my mom like loves to be outside. My mom is a grower. Uh, she loves like on a Saturday in the summer or in the fall, she just like loves to be outside, like digging in the dirt. And so maybe it's just been a reaction to that where like I was every Saturday was just crossing my fingers, like, please, mom, don't make me come outside and dig in the dirt with you because that sounds miserable to me. Um, that my reaction has just been to like not really care so much about anything that is agricultural in nature, okay? Um, So I'm not naturally like a a care for the earth kind of person. And a few years ago at school, um, I was given the task of uh, teaching a a kind of a whole unit on creation care. And I thought, well, I should probably read some things because I don't think too much about this. And so I began to study and I began to do some research and I have to tell you that the Lord convicted me of some things And so uh, we're going to walk through some of these passages this morning, and my hope is that we can come together, come to an understanding of why this should matter to us. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 26. In the first 25 verses, um, God creates the world. He creates everything that we can see. He creates light, darkness, sky, land, water. Um, He gives boundaries to the water and the land, and then he fills all these spaces up. He fills the sky with birds. He fills the sea with creatures and with fish. He fills the land with animals. And then that brings us to verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. In these three verses, we see God creating our people, humanity. We end up calling this man and this woman, Adam and Eve. And you're probably familiar with verse 28, which is where God gives the first instructions to people. Now, sometimes I think we like, we quit after the first half of verse 28. That's where God says, be fruitful and multiply because most people really like that command. And so we stop there and we go like, man, God's really good. And he was really looking out for us and he's got our best interest in mind. Okay, and that's true, but don't miss the second half of the verse. He says, be fruitful and multiply and govern the earth. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the animals of the ground. Now, there are two words there, two different words in Hebrew, and they translate in English to subdue and to rule over. And the connotation that's given in Hebrew has to do with um, taking care of something that is not yours. In other words, when God says rule over the earth, What he's saying is, I'm the king, but I'm giving you the authority to rule this place in the way that I would rule it. I am making you my stewards. Now, he's not giving the earth to us. He's not saying, now it belongs to you, so treat it however you want. He's saying, I created this place. 
And I mean, if we look back in Genesis chapter one, he like literally just created it, okay? So those of you who have children, think about like when you get a new thing and you bring it into your house and your kids wanna touch it. And you say like, don't touch this, this is mine. It's not yours. You don't get to bring food into my car. You don't get to touch my new iPad with your sticky fingers. You don't get to, no, you back off because kids are messy and they wreck stuff. And yet God creates the world and then he puts his kids in it. And he says, now it's yours to take care of because I'm giving you the authority to take care of it. I'm the king. You're not the king. I'm the king, but I'm making you my stewards. Now, how does God rule as a king? Well, there are lots of places that we could look, but there's one psalm that addresses God as king. And we're not gonna read it for the sake of time, but in Psalm 145, God is referred to as our God, our king. And there are all of these descriptors of him in there in the way that he treats his creation, okay? It's not just the way that he treats people, but it's the way that he treats creation. I want to read this list to you of the way that God behaves as the king over all of creation. The psalmist said that, says that God the king rules with wisdom, with power, with goodness and grace, with compassion and faithfulness and generosity, with provision, protection, justice, and love. Now, we are quick to absorb those terms for ourselves. Yes, thank God that that's how he treats us as humans But what that psalmist is saying is that as the king, that's also how he treats the created world. Now, some of you, I know you're starting to think like, this is sounding like a hippie sermon. That's what's happening here. Like you're gonna tell us to go out and hug a tree or something and I am not comfortable with that. This is not what we're trying to say. But, But the point that we see in scripture is that yes, God created us men and women in his image, amen. But from the very beginning, he gave us a call and a command. And that call and command was not simply be fruitful and multiply. It was also take care of this place that I've made. We have been called and commanded to care for creation. And yet many of us have begun to look at creation as something that we consume. It's here for my pleasure. It's here for my use. And so I can use it and abuse it however I want because it's here to take care of me. That is never how God speaks of his creation. He places us in the world to nurture it, not to exploit it. We see this idea is repeated in Genesis chapter two. So flip the page over just one page. Genesis chapter two, we're gonna read one verse. It's in verse 15. Genesis chapter two is a repeated um, account of creation. So it tells us the story of creation again. And so we get a repeated version of the command to care for the earth in verse 15. It says this, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. The word tend in the original language in Hebrew is actually the word to serve. And the idea is serving with hard work. Like not just I serve when I feel like it, but to serve doing hard work. And then that second phrase to watch over it. 
is the idea of taking care of something. In fact, it it carries with it the connotation of taking care of something that should be defended or protected. It's looking at something as precious and valuable. Why should we be people who care for God's creation? Well, quite simply, we're doing today is that we should be people who care for God's creation because it's what he has called us to do. It is the first thing that he called us as people to do, to take care of these things that he has made. And it is not a far leap to say the way that we treat something that doesn't belong to us says a whole lot about who we are. The attitude that we have as we care for something that is not ours says a lot about who we are. You have all heard the phrase like, oh, we don't have to worry about this because it's a rental, which kind of doesn't make sense to me because like if you wreck a rental, I think you have to pay for it, but whatever. So we've got this attitude towards something that like if I don't own it, it's not that big of a deal if I don't take great care of it because it's not mine. Who cares? Um, I teach 10th graders. And they are not always um, great at caring for things that do not belong to them. I could give you many, many examples. Uh, But I used to, my classroom used to be full of, instead of chairs, we had exercise balls that they sat on um, because I thought, that's fun. Um, And so they would, you know, bounce around on them and it was supposed to help them like stay focused, which I'm not sure if it actually worked, but I sat on an exercise ball too. So we were just all having a great time in my classroom. Um, But these exercise balls didn't belong to them. My mom actually bought them one year for Christmas. That was my gift. She bought me 30 exercise balls and she just thought it was like the greatest thing that had ever happened. My mom's kind of crazy and I love it. So I've got all these exercise balls in my classroom and I've got 16-year-olds sitting on top of them. And it did not take too long before they realized that if their friend was bouncing on an exercise ball, if they just perfectly timed like swinging their pencil into the exercise ball next to them, it would explode and their friend would fall on the ground. Now, this is very funny to watch, okay? 16-year-old boys just collapsing to the ground. It was never the girls. It was always the boys. But they didn't belong, those things didn't belong to them. And there was this part of me that would feel this like, like really f- like deep frustration. What are you doing? That's not yours. Why are you wrecking that thing that isn't yours? Take care of something that doesn't belong to you. You're stewarding it for this moment. We have been called to steward God's creation. Now, some of us are asking the question, why? What's the big deal? I want you to turn, please, to Psalm 148. If it is not enough for us that God has called us to do it, okay, which I would suggest that should be enough. He's asked us to do it, so let's do it. But if we need a bit more motivation, Psalm 148 tells us what creation is here for. Because listen, creation is not just here to make me happy. Creation's not just here to provide for my needs. Creation is here for something bigger than that. Psalm 148, if you're using a Bible under your chair, it's page 480. Psalm 148, we're gonna read the whole Psalm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the skies. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all the armies of heaven. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you twinkling stars. Praise him, skies above. Praise him, vapors high above the clouds. Let every created thing 
give praise to the Lord, for he issued his command and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. Praise the Lord from the earth, you creatures of the ocean depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, wind and weather that obey him, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all livestock, small scurrying animals and birds, kings of the earth and all people, rulers and judges of the earth, young men and young women, old men and children, let them all praise the name of the Lord. For his name is very great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. He has made his people strong, honoring his faithful ones, the people of Israel who are close to him. One of the reasons that we are called to care for the earth, to, we are called to care for creation, is because creation praises God. It brings honor to God. It, creation brings attention to who our God is. Now, my guess is that most of you sitting in this room would say, yeah, that matters to me. It matters to me that people know who God is. It matters to me that people have a clear picture of who God is. Many of us are saying we can't wait for the day when all, of, all people will have to recognize our God as the God and they will worship him together. We can't wait for that day. Creation is part of this process. Psalm 148 tells us that everything that God created praises him. And if you have, you know, been outside ever, you can, you, you can understand this. Like if you've seen the sunrise, which maybe some of you have seen the sunrise. Some of you have not done that yet. At some point in your life, I hope that you get to see the sunrise, okay? It happens early. If you've seen the sunrise and you have seen the way that the sky is just illuminated with color and you try to take a picture of it, but no picture ever does a sunrise justice because only your eyes can really like see it in such a beautiful way. And there's something about that that, that makes you go like, man, that's awesome. The same thing happens with the sunset. More of us have probably seen the sunset, right? Because we're already awake. And you see the sunset and you see the sky turn all of these different colors and it makes you go, wow. Or you've hiked to the top of a mountain as you, and you look out across this mountain range and you see valleys and you see peaks and you're very aware of how small you are. Romans chapter one tells us that the created world forces people to recognize that there must be some being out there that is bigger than us that had a hand in creation. Look, your voice and the way that you praise God, it matters. It is important, absolutely. But the way that you praise God and the way that mountains praise God, it's not the same No one stands back and looks at you and goes like, wow. well, okay, maybe they do. I don't know. This doesn't happen to me, okay? But like people don't stand back and look at you the way that they look at a mountain range and go like, wow, I'm small and that is so big. The mountains point to God in a way that you could never point to God. This is what the created world does. 
It allows us to see and appreciate and to want to worship our God. And if that's what creation does, then how dare we not take care of it? Because if we, as Christ followers, say that we want the world to know our God, then we should do everything that we can to give them the opportunity to see him, know him, and praise him. And that means not just your voice, but the voice of all created things. We are in this together. And lest we need any more uh, proof that that is true, I want you to turn to one more passage, Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. It's page 862 if you're using one of these Bibles. Romans chapter eight. The book of Romans is written by the Apostle Paul, and it was written to a group of Christ followers in Rome, okay? And he has just been talking, at the beginning of Romans chapter 8, he's been talking about the suffering that they're facing, which is pretty intense, um, because the Roman Empire has really begun to turn against Christianity, and so like Christians are being persecuted and they're being murdered and it's, uh, it's very overwhelming, okay? And so he's responding to that. And in verse 18, here's what he says. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he, that is God, will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, All creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now look, these verses make some of us feel uncomfortable because we go like, well, are you saying like animism is a true thing? Like you're telling me that like all the trees have spirits inside of them and they're wanting for the day of redemption to come? No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying. That's not what Paul's saying. Throughout scripture, the writers of scripture are clear that as humans, we are the only ones who are created in God's image, okay? So we're not animists, we're not pantheists. We're not saying that we all like share one spirit and so when a tree dies, a part of all of us dies. Like that's not what we're saying, okay? And yet, we see right here in Romans chapter eight that there is something that's true about creation. And it's that the created world is aching for redemption. The created world knows its creator. Now, look, again, I'm not saying that the created world has like intelligent conscience. So can I explain to you how this is possible? I can't. And yet I believe what scripture tells me, that creation is pointing to our God and that if a day were to come where we would all shut our mouths and stop praising him, scripture tells us that the rocks themselves would cry out to honor him. The created world knows its creator. And the created world also understands that things right now are not as they are supposed to be. That the original plan didn't include death and decay. We know that. We feel it. We feel it. Every time we go to a funeral, we know this is not how it's supposed to be. 
We, we are able to recognize this is not how life was supposed to play out with death and with loss. And a day is coming, praise God, a day is coming when that will stop, where we will be redeemed and we will be united with our Jesus and there will be no more death, there will be no more decay. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter eight that the created world wants that too. That the created world is part of redemption with us. That when that day comes, it's not just for you and me, It's for the whole created world. So why should we care about creation? I mean, first and foremost, God tells us that we should. So if we're gonna take God seriously, we have to take him seriously all the time. And this command that he gave in Genesis chapters one and two, he never repeals, he never takes it away. He says, care for the earth as the stewards of the earth, because it doesn't belong to you. And then also we have to recognize that creation, the created world, it wants to praise our God. And so as we care for it, and as we do that, it is giving our God the praise and the glory and the attention that he deserves. And creation is pointing other people to know our God in the way that we know him. And and one last thought as we kind of wrap this up, some of us maybe are still thinking like, okay, sure. Yeah. Maybe I'll like carpool once in a while, or I'll try to recycle, or I've heard about composting. I guess I can do that. Most of us in this room would say that we really care about the people in the world who are suffering. There are people around the world who have less than we do, who struggle to to have enough food, who struggle to have enough water, who struggle to get the medication that they need for themselves and for their children. And we say, that's a tragedy and it shouldn't be that way. When there are natural disasters that happen in the world, those are the people who more often than not are deeply affected by those things. So when there's a hunger crisis in the world, it's not us that are suffering from that hunger crisis. It's the people who are already hungry. And and now it's gotten worse. So can, can I fix that whole thing? Can you fix that whole thing? No. But if I can make some decisions that will allow me to better care for the plot of earth that I'm on, and if you could make those decisions, and if our brothers and sisters in Jesus around the world could begin to make those decisions, do I believe that the the earth could maybe be a bit healthier than it is now? Yeah, I do. And I can point you to some books and some studies that I think would agree with that. If I say I care for the least of these, and I need to put my money where my mouth is. I need to treat the earth as though that is true. Because when the earth is suffering, when there's lack of food and lack of water, I'm not the one who feels it. My brothers and sisters who are already in need are the ones who feel it. We have been called to care for creation because we're stewards, because creation points to our God. And because we weren't put here to consume, we were put here to be nurturers. 
We were put here to enable other people to know our God. So as we walk out of here today, maybe it seems overly simplistic, but we just want to ask you to consider what can you do to care for God's creation better? What can you do to care for God's creation better than you do right now? And if you're thinking, I can't believe I came to church on a Sunday to listen to this. Remember, it's easy to say I'm a Christian, but it's difficult to live in a way that is thoroughly Christian in both the big things and the small things. Maybe this seems like a small thing to you, but scripture has something to say about it. And if we endeavor to be thoroughly Christian men and women, then this must be something that we consider as important to us, to the way that we live our lives. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you again that you are a God who's patient with us as we're learning these lessons and as we're figuring out what this is supposed to look like and how we're supposed to handle ourselves. But God, I thank you too that you are... You're a creator and that you didn't just create us as people and put us in this blank slate of a world, but that you created the world that's around us with all of its wonders and all of its beauty and all of these things that are so big and so small that we don't understand and that make us just take a step back and go, wow. And God, I confess to you that I haven't always been so concerned about caring for the earth because it's easy to say, well, it doesn't really matter because someday I'll just be in heaven and who cares about what's happening down here. God, I confess my selfishness to you, my self-centeredness. God, will you make us men and women who want to take you seriously, not just when it's easy and not just about the things that we think matter, but will we take you seriously in everything that you say, including the way that you call us to care for creation? Will you make us men and women who thoughtfully care for the world that you've given us so that the world is able to better praise you and so that the world is, better to, the world is able to better provide for our brothers and sisters who are in need around the world? God, we love you. And, and I am so thankful to be in a place where we can talk about things like this. Help us to be people who don't just call ourselves Christians, but who seek to live thoroughly Christian lives. In Jesus' name, amen.